0: It's the season of giving, and we're looking ahead to the new year. And what better gift for the holidays is a gift that you get year-round, a book. Thanks to our sponsor, Book of the Month, we are happy to give you a discount on the best books of the year for just $9.99. You know I love Book of the Month. My mother was a member. My daughter's a member. I'm a member. And so do countless readers around the world, because Book of the Month brings you the best titles at the best prices. Now, back to the discount. You can head to bookofthemonth.com and use code ADRI at checkout to get your first book for $9.99. That's A-D-R-I at checkout. Thank you, Book of the Month, and thank you, dear listener. Thank you always, always for tuning in, and thank you, thank you for reading. It might be a sin to have favorites, but in the world of books, entertainment, show business, I don't love anybody as much as I love Fanny Flagg. She's a triple threat from way back, an actress, a writer, a dramatist, a novelist, and she's entertained audiences with her trademark style and stories for as long as we can remember. Fanny excelled on the screen and on the page. Her career exploded when she became a novelist and wrote Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. As you know, that novel just caught fire and became an award-winning movie and has really set the template for everything that came after in her amazing career. She wrote the script for the movie Fried Green Tomatoes and it was nominated for an Academy Award and the Writers Guild of America Award and it won the highly regarded Scripter Award for the best screenplay of the year. But the award that Fanny treasures above all others came in 2012 when she traveled to Monroeville, Alabama to receive the Harper Lee Prize for Fiction from her longtime friend and mentor, get ready for this, Harper Lee. In this week's interview, Fanny takes us back to Birmingham, Alabama, where her story began.
1: I was lucky. My dad was a motion picture machine operator, and crazy as a loon, his father was a motion picture machine operator. And so they just saw way too many movies. So you can imagine that that, that his mind. But when I was about, oh, I think Adriana, maybe four or five, Mm -hmm. my father, which is very unusual because it's usually the mother, read my first book that I ever heard to me. And he would read it uh, a chapter every night, and the book was hiding. And here I am in Alabama, and I am hearing about Switzerland and the, and the mountains and the snow and all of that stuff. And it just ticked my imagination. And I, I started dreaming about, oh, I want to go over into the mountains and to, into Switzerland. And, you know, that was
0: the first book. Oh, my gosh. I shared this with you. Heidi was just formative to me because my mother was a librarian, and when she was a little girl in Chisholm, Minnesota, she won it for reading the most books one summer. Oh, wow. I, I've bought through the years many versions of it, and it's this, for me, I'm with you, but now here you are, you're an only child. Yes. So you really related to Heidi. She's kind of you. Yes, yes.
1: And she was sort of, uh, a, a, you know, by herself, living with the granddaddy. Yeah, and and I just, uh, it, it really started. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit with you because I'm curious about how you think about this. Because as little girls as we were, uh, there there were not that many uh, heroines for us, Mm-mm. and I can remember that the next thing that happened is that i got into grammar school and my teacher sixth grade teacher started reading another series of books called nancy drew
0: oh wow nancy drew too
1: and oh it just sent me wild and here she was this te- detective girl and was, was just uh, so much fun and all of that stuff and so that there were like the heidi and Nancy Drew, and um, so then, and I, I don't know, here I was, and I think I was in the sixth grade, and this will make you laugh, talking about having airs, <laughs> I started, I went to the library, a little country library, and I picked up a book about Gertrude Lawrence, who was a famous English actress, yes. and no Howard and Be Lilly. I don't know why I picked up these books, but I became fascinated with the English theater. Here I was, this little, you know, kid with pigtails in Alabama, and I dreamed of being on the English stage and all of this stuff. So, to your title, those books that I I read as a child really formed. Who I wanted to be and uh, my imagination, you know, traveling from uh, Alabama to London and to Switzerland and, you know, Nancy Drew and her adventures. And so um, I I do want to tell you, I as as I kept reading and all these wonderful things, I went to a writer's conference here and Ray Bradbury, you remember sweet Ray Bradbury
0: Bradbury was great.
1: And he talked about his his. childhood books that he read that influenced him. Mm -hmm. And he named Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, The Rover Boy, not one book about little girls. And I thought to myself, well, you know, there's not that many coming-of-age books about little girls for little girls to read. And that's what gave me, this is a long story, but that's what gave me the idea to write my first book, which was uh, about a little girl in Alabama growing up, and it was a coming-of-age story about little girls. Now they're, thank heavens, a lot more.
0: Think about it, Fanny. The, these these were books written by women. Johanna Spirey wrote Heidi. Yes. Nancy Drew was written by various women authors. Yes. I, I like to mention Pippi Longstocking.
1: Pippi, yes. I didn't read Pippi, though. Okay, Did you?
0: Yeah, I read Pippi. She was wild I, I, I a great character in literature. She lived alone too, and her father was was a sea captain, and he was never home and and the mother died before when she was born. So again, another kind of a fanny flag only child scenario, which of course was my fantasy because I was maybe not my, my literary fantasy, not in real life, because I'm one of seven. So the difference is is your house wasn't um it, it wasn't like a crock pot of crazy. That, and you, you had to hide under the bed to read, you know, you, you had a room and, you know, there was some order and there was not in my home. It was chaos.
1: Oh, honey. And it's so, you know, isn't it funny, darling? It, it, it it's, is.
0: It's just so funny. But, but you're Heidi and you're Nancy Drew. Those are the those are like the the linchpins, of great girl literature. Yes. And Nancy, you know, Nancy Drew, if you ever noticed, she cared more about solving the crime than Ned. She didn't care about her so much. I I almost think it was like a cautionary tale, like, keep your your mind on your business, ladies. (laughs) Right? She's a good role model. Yeah, she was great. She was great. And her dad was an attorney. Oh, yes. But your dad was really kind of, he was in show business, basically.
1: Oh, Oh, yes. He was, he, this is very funny. He, his little dream when he was younger was to be a tap dancer.
0: Oh man, who was his favorite movie star?
1: Uh, probably. Well, we were big. Uh, I know that Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire, and Ginger Rogers—all those musicals. You know, oh, I see them on uh, the, the American movie classics,
0: and you just can't beat it. Fanny, you know, we should simulcast because I, I live watching that. When I'm not reading, I watch that channel. That's all I care about. Last night, Riff Raff was on. You remember Riff Raff? Oh, I remember. Riffraff. Anita Luce oh, I wrote did. it. It's yeah. an incredible script. Incredible. When she started when she was 14,
1: I did think. Did you ever meet her? I did. Now, isn't that strange? I did a play that she wrote called Happy Birthday. And yes. she wrote it. It was on Broadway. She Ellen wrote it for Hayes. Helen Hayes. That's right. And and Adriana, when I met her, honey, she was in her 80s. And she came. We did it in a theater in Birmingham. And she would walk to the theater, which was a couple of miles, which was horrifying to me to think anybody would walk that far. Mm -hmm. And she'd have one drink and she did. And she said everything in moderation. I think she lived to be a hundred and something.
0: Easy. I mean, now, weirdly, another friend of mine, Peter Duchin, she kind of looked out for him. He called her Nitsy, Aunt Nitsy. Aunt Nitsy. That's right. I mean, the fact that you knew her, wow. And she was really tight with Helen Hayes, another obsession of mine.
1: Yes, Helen Hayes and um, uh, Lillian Gish. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason I know is I had an um, agent in New York who handled a lot of, and he'd have these parties. Mm-hmm. And Needle Loose, all these people would come. Janet Flander, who was a writer from Paris, remember she wrote and for Paris, all these wonderful people, and I was just lucky enough to be there at the right time and to get back to the uh, uh, whip back about me um, reading about Noel Coward and B. Lilly when I was oh. you know in the sixth grade, I actually got to meet Noel Coward.
0: So you were like you were an Anglophile. Did you read the Did you read the Noel Streetfeld books? Oh yes, movie shoes, theater shoes, wonderful. That to me gives you even when I go to England today, they don't call it England anymore, the UK, I, I think of Noel Street belt. Yes. But
1: I, I there is something about I just the, the English I wanted to go I wanted to go and be an English actress and I don't and and the other thing is when I was growing up Nobody looked like me. All the all the pretty girls had little teensy noses and all that. And then when I got to London the first time, I looked around and everybody looked like me. And I, people would talk to me and, and they'd say, where are you from? And I said, Birmingham. they said, say, Birmingham? You don't sound like you're from Birmingham. <laughs>
0: I said, no, oh, Alabama. <laughs> it's hilarious. You really, for a shy kid, Nancy Drew... Noel Streetfeld. I mean, as I go through these characters, you you're very you're very interested in show business from the beginning, really, in your English and your you you would have no reason to be, really, except why? How? But 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 Fanny, I relate. It's like an obsession. What happened?
1: Well, when did this How it, here's what I wanna know and maybe you can help me with this. What was it? And you it you know, you don't want to get all woo woo, but What was it that caused me to go to that one book? What was it that caused you to become uh, uh, obsessed with England? What is—is it was it fate? Were we supposed to?
0: Okay, I'm just going to say this. There's nothing. Okay, this this is going to sound terrible, but I think we have to say it. When I look at your life story your resume your all the things you did whatever time you were living in when you were coming up you did the things women did now you were already women were starting to go hey i want more okay in the 60s in the 70s in the 80s i want more and you kind of came through that portal at the right moment in my opinion but you got there it, it you, you was coming off the fumes of when you could be a teacher, a nun, or what they used to call a stewardess. There were three careers. And if you liked to travel and, and, and you could starve yourself, you could be a stewardess, right? That's right. Because they, they would weigh you. Any job that they weighed, I, I was out. I wasn't going to do any of those jobs. <laughs> no, thank you. But you went into a beauty pageant because beauty pa- people don't understand that beauty pageants are not beauty pageants. Those girls will cut you. They want to win, and it isn't even about the beauty. It's about the cunning. There's a cunning. Is am I right? Totally. It's it's a business. It's a business,
1: and the thing about the Miss Alabama pageant that I was in for seven years in a row uh, is that they offer. It was the only place. Uh, that offered women scholarships.
0: That's right. I have
1: friends that went to Yale drama school, that w- w- went to Juilliard from scholarships that they got in the Miss Alabama pageant. And so that was a scholarship program. And so these gals were in there fighting to for their lives. They wanted that money. They you know, wanted the money. They wanted the
0: opportunity. The opportunity, and the connections. Them.
1: That's right. And they wanted, they wanted those, uh, I, for my, I, I uh, we didn't have enough money for me to go to school. So I got, sco- I, I went in for a scholarship. And so that's, that's why I, I would have done
0: in. that too. If they'd have had, yeah, you
1: would, you would have been, honey, you would, they would have adored you. You would have walked away. Well, now with, let's uh, see I get ahead of people. our skis. Now you, you, you would oh, have been Miss Oh, that's what I would have
0: liked to been that.
1: You would be miscongeniality wherever you went, aren't you? Aren't you happy to be who you
0: are, Fanny? I would not. Can I tell you? I'm talking to you. When I was a kid, if I ever thought I was going to have a conversation with Fanny Flagg, I'd have probably laid down and died. I probably wouldn't have believed it. But it's just such a gift because and I, I know we have all these crazy connections. I mean, yeah. while we're on children and what we read as kids, because we totally read the same books. Are you blown away by our friend Dolly Parton and the Imagination Library? She, uh,
1: I work. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but I, uh, she called me and she had a television show. She asked God to come down there and work with her and help her with that show. She's the most amazing human. You know, she only gets three or four hours sleep. Well, first of all, let's describe her.
0: Let let's get into it because I then wrote for her for her show that was done at a. Well, we went to Florida because there was an earthquake in California. And Gail Berman called me and said, I think you're right for the Dolly Parton show. And I'm like, I am there. I went out there, met her. And when I met her, I said, Dolly, I have two words for you, Kaz Walker. And she said, I have two words for you. You're hired. That's Dolly. Dolly just like feels her way through. But she is that that is one of the she is one of the most brilliant people, I uh, probably more brilliant than anybody, either you or I, have ever met. First of all, she's the consummate businesswoman. People mm-hmm. don't give her credit. For that. Yeah, she's running an empire. Oh, she's
1: unbelievable, and she is. The thing of it is, is that she's so she's truly spiritual.
0: She's a believer, totally, and she's and... like a nun. She's a no label believer. Like she doesn't care what you are. She is
1: a, uh, you know, she practices, uh, you know, accepting, it loves everybody. And she really does.
0: She really does. It's just
1: amazing. I'm like you. I, I
0: am just in, I'm awe besotted with it. her. And she figured out that what was missing in, in these babies lives was a book. Of, it's a book a month till you're five, but she wants the community to participate. She's like, I'll pick up the freight, but you got to, you got to pitch in too. She's smart like that. She knows if you give without letting the receiver participate, it's not going to work over time. No. But it, it's working. It's a billion. I think she surpassed a billion books given away. Oh, Fanny, we have to do something with her.
1: Well, she, if she should be on this pod. Well, because we're, gonna, she... we're
0: talking to her about coming on, but, but I'm I'm saying you and me. Okay. Like we should figure out. How we could serve that organization somehow? Absolutely, because you could be a great ambassador for that, or you can—you're a superstar,
1: sweetheart. You're so sweet. Can you buddy. see
0: yourself trundling into one of those kindergarten classes, wrangling those little monsters? It'd be great, reading to them.
1: It would be wonderful. I'd probably come out with some disease, but oh well. <laughs> no, you would. Let me tell
0: you, <laughs> that's the only thing I learned from having a baby: is you're sick for thirteen years. They bring every. Crazy thing home, and you're like, You go to the doctor, one, one eye's running, and the other one's dry, and you're like, What's wrong? Oh, it's, it's like you got the impetigo or whatever it is, you know.
1: Honey, did you ever know Alice Ghostly?
0: I didn't, but I loved Alice Ghostly. She's one of our great actors. Talk about Alice.
1: Well, Alice Ghostly is just a hilarious uh, character woman, and she was a friend of mine, and she was doing the Broadway Annie, the Broadway show Annie. And she was playing Miss Hannigan at the time. I, I went backstage to see her and I knocked on the door and she said, who is it? And I said, I said, it's, it's Fanny. And she went, with me, she opened the door and she said, get in here fast. Don't get around those children. They're full of germs. She, she said,
0: They're always trying to touch me. Ooh. She was the actor in the plastic bubble to <laughs> children. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious!
1: Yeah, she said they were always trying to crawl on her. They
0: they're, they're very germy, but they're very delightful. But yet and still, try to avoid if you possibly can. So, did you meet Alice doing a play? Because Birmingham Rep was a big. That was a big theater operation, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: it really was. It was a bit We we were lucky enough that we had a big state of the
0: art regional theater, yeah, one of the oldest really- in the country.
1: Good, good. And uh, I think your friend Judy
0: Ivy. Are you friends with Judy Ivy?
1: Judith Ivy, yes. I knew Judy. But Alice, I knew um, from, I think, the game shows or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then, uh, do you remember Dodie Goodman?
0: Oh, love Dodie Goodman. Another great one. All those gals were wonderful, all those characters. It's very interesting to think about through the decades how different, how we made a living we figured out how to cobble together a living and yeah. you'd see Alice ghostly on show after show. With all the books you've written, and you've met people across the country, Fanny, are you always just like when you walk in a room amazed that anybody came? I'm always amazed. Stunned. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm just stunned. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it.
0: Except your books are great, and everybody loves you and wants to read them. But there's also this sense of you kept breaking the, the, the walls of your life down and reinventing yourself. Now, I know... That sometimes you have to do that because you go, okay, well that juice is gone. I got to move forward. Do you find it every seven to ten years you have to kind of just shake the, shake it up? Totally. Or is it longer s- sequences for you?
1: Um, it's it may be longer, but uh, but um, and and I know you feel this way too. You you do something and do something, and then all of a sudden you find that it's not feeding you, that it, it's it's not exciting you. And you're treating people. I remember um, I was doing a speech somewhere and I thought, I'm just doing that by rote. I don't really. And that's not fair to people. So I had to drop back and, and um, re, readjust myself, you know,
0: because to be an actor. yes, Is 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 you're really offering yourself up to somebody else's opinion of what you can do right? I mean, you walk in a room and they go, okay, she's right, we'll take her. Or she's not, we won't. And you get sick of that, don't you? Yeah.
1: And and it's, uh, and I, I didn't realize something when I first went to New York, is that uh, people are frightened. And I I figured something out, which will make you laugh. When I first came to New York and you go for an audition, mm-hmm. I would borrow a friend's fur coat and I was living in a rat hole somewhere and I'd walk in and I would, you know, say, OK, what what is this? And they tell me and I go, oh, well, maybe. And the casting director is frightened for his job. So he thinks, well, she has a lot of confidence, so she'll probably do well. So I'll, I'll give her the job. <laughs> the meantime,
0: I'm scared to death. I love it. So you acted confident. Yeah. You used yeah, your yeah. acting ability.
1: Yeah, I don't need this job. And, and and then these these people that were waiting who probably had more talent than I did, certainly, were so desperate that the fear scared the casting director. So you know, it's it, fear drives a lot of stuff. And someone told me once that I thought was so brilliant. What makes a great pitcher? A baseball pitcher that and And they said his ability to manage fear.
0: That is brilliant, Fanny. But you know what? It applies to everything.
1: Yeah. And I am I'm not that good at managing fear inside. I can pretend I'm not, you know. But what about you? Are you do you get anxious?
0: Fanny, honestly, I think the work gets harder and harder. There was a minute in there. I bet. I bet it was right around um, the all-girl filling stations last reunion that you went. Okay, I got this. I got this. And then it leaves you, and you go, "Oh no." Do you, you know what I'm talking about? It's the plateaus. Totally. So I would say I probably am fear-based because we share, and it's interesting when you're a child and you know. That the finances in the home are a challenge, your little brain tries to scheme around it. I was always looking at like, what's the problem here, right? And of course, that was interpreted by people like there was something wrong with me because I would yeah, I'd disappear sitting at it you know I would just be like, I was always trying to make it better, and always trying to give my mother confidence. My mother confidence because my mother was brilliant and I'd say, you have to toughen up. You weren't, I mean, I was giving her pep talks when she was 80. You got to toughen up here, you know? So you, you're getting my role in the family. I was this one. Come on now, mom. So that's my long way around fear. But then my only regret is when I got to Hollywood that I didn't knock on doors, that I did go meet Loretta Young, that I didn't go meet Ginger Rogers, that I didn't, you know, but you did see. So that's my now I'm connected in some level. And Anita Luce, her books, have you read them all? No, not all. I don't think I have. OK, well, you're going to get a box load from me because I keep them on hand. Um And if I'm at a yard sale, I pick them up. Did you ever read um A Girl Like I? Yes. Yes. OK. And did you read Twice Around New York that she wrote with Helen Hayes? yes it's hilarious i mean like they went to beauty parlors and rib joints i mean they just went to new york nobody knew of they were so cute those little two Two little tiny things nobody's done the helen hayes story and maybe you and i'll do it we'll write it oh did you ever see her
1: on stage
0: i never saw her on stage but my best friend michael patrick king was in a play and he had to have a British accent. He's Irish Catholic from Scranton. And she said to him, you do a marvelous accent. And he, he's still floating on that. And that's like 45 years ago. Wow.
1: I, I saw her do a, a play, one play. And you think Helen Hayes, First Lady of the Theater. You know, yes. oh, she's going to be eating up the theme. She was so, Adriana, so simple, so real that you and uh, everybody else around her was just, you know, chewing up the scenery, falling on the floor, carrying on. And she just walked through and you couldn't take your eyes off of her.
0: Did you see her in Victoria Regina? Yes. I would have killed to see that. I have the program from it.
1: She's just, just, uh, she was just a wonderful, wonderful person as well, I think, you know. But, you know,
0: now, now, Charles MacArthur I'm I'm kind of weirdly in love with him. I'm in love with two of them. Oscar Hammerstein. I just thought he was I don't know. Did you like him? I liked him very much. But Charles MacArthur was a rake. He was a character. Did you read Charlie the Extraordinary Life of Charles MacArthur by Ben Hecht? No. Okay, I'm mailing it to you. You have to okay. you you drop Tuck and Roll the minute it gets in the mail, just read it. It's the story of two men who are old And there's a scene in that book. Charles is dying during this book. He's an alcoholic and he's dying during the book and and he's still hilarious and he's still got it. And it it was very fraught with Helen with the alcoholism. She managed it, but it was rough and they lost a daughter. They had a daughter, Mary, who was an actress. Remember that? And they were at the Bucks County playhouse and then they put her in an iron lung and she died. It's the most horrible story. And that's when he really collapsed. And this book is about, meeting him when, when they were war correspondents in World War I. And then it's the end of the 50s. You're going to go cuckoo for it. But there's a scene. The two old men are walking down the street, and a beautiful woman walks towards them. a girl. For the preceding you know, 50 years, that would have been a moment, right? They'd have said something or winked at her or done something. And MacArthur turns to Hecht, and he says, she didn't even see us. We're just old guys now and i actually cry every time i read it because it's the cycle of of life mm-hmm. and as much as they say we I, I never felt invisible have you ever felt invisible no i i don't buy that i think that's misogyny at work i think they get invisible i think they lose their powers but they don't yes. want to say that we we gain powers as we go don't you think i do
1: i do and and um I don't know I am happier now than I ever was are you
0: I agree they it really is a terrible lie that they tell us that you know we're kind of out of business at 50 which is what they try to do that's the craziest thing I ever heard yeah don't you and and I know from your books I could tell from your writing you're always just getting started yeah we have to get this message out there fanny
1: I know. Well, you know, there is something so wonderful about about not caring as much uh, what people think. Oh, and I used oh oh I wanted people. You know, I used to really be worried about oh if I made a mistake, if I said something, or whatever. I don't do that anymore because I I uh, you just get to the point where you go.
0: Yeah. Have you reached that? Here's the problem with me. I never really cared what anybody thought of me. <laughs> and that's a little that's an issue because you should care. Yeah. Here's what I think about writers. Well, you haven't got anything without the script. What I'm doing is priceless. You have to pay me. That's how I <laughs> used to think. I still think that way. So when I'm out there and my my writer friends are like, "We I can't make a living." I said, "Hey, there's nothing without you. Own it." Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I said, put your heart and your emotions away and get out your calculators. That's my solution to everything It's like, really now in publishing, isn't it wonderful? Cause it's mostly on, it's run by women. I mean, I'm sure you have a female editor, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm surrounded by women and I love it. Now then uh, there's always a fresh scrub man. With his his hair parted and slicked back that comes into the room and you kind of go, okay, well, whatever, whatever. They all look alike to me. You talk about interchangeable. And I say to myself, this is a women-driven business. We own it. 72% of the books in the United States are purchased by women. And also, I was shocked to find out that was true of movie tickets. It's like
1: 68%.
0: Interesting, right? Very. Yeah. yeah. See, they don't like to let that out. No, So every chance I get, I say it, but you were surrounded by like Mary Kay place and these great women great. writers right? who were also actors, a lot of them, which I, and, and I can tell reading your books that you read them aloud when you're writing it, you, they're, you dramatize as you go. Right. I, I hear them talking in my head. Uh-huh. Don't you? They could easily be a play. They could easily be dramatized as a movie. Easily be dramatized as a series, because the the dialogue crackles and the characters are, well, the way you describe people is brilliant. Thank you. It's true.
1: L- let me ask you this: What of all the books you you're, uh, you've written? I mean, you're talking about my writing. What about what is your favorite book that you wrote? Because everybody, I think, has a favorite. What was your
0: well, you know, Big Stone Gap was such a revelation. And I would say, Fanny, you were a great influence on me with that one uh, and that whole series. And the reason I wrote a series, people thought I just like and I said, I need to practice this because I don't know what I'm doing. Really, I was just making it up. And I always laugh when somebody says there's so many endings in Big Stone Gap. I said, I knew I did wrote four and I put them all in and they were like, really? <laughs> and my editor tried to say, why, why not one? I said, no. This could be it, baby. I could get hit by a bus. Just put four endings in there and let people, you know, enjoy. So, um, see, that's the fearless part that's bad. You know, if I listen to people once in a while, I probably save myself a lot of heartache. But I was raised in such a way that it was about the group and it was about your behavior. And and, and I always thought to myself, I have to be self. I got to stop. I'm showing things, you know. Yeah. But if you have an outlet, and I always say theater is the greatest outlet of of all. if, If I ever see a kid struggling, I say, get in a play. Just be in a play. I don't care if you're holding a sword. Just get in there.
1: To get in a theater group. Yeah, agreed. I think, honestly, I think you not caring as much has served you so well because you're fearless and you just tackle things. And I admire that so much but would you say that big stone gap is your would is it because it was such a huge hit or because you enjoyed writing it
0: oh i think it's because i enjoyed writing it okay. because i did not have any expectations of it yeah. at all okay and um i just wanted people to know where i was from the the beauty of where i'm from and you know listen sometimes i get a little elbow jab from somebody who goes oh it's so I don't know what the word would be but you know warm and whatever and I said hey that's how I saw it what do you want from me I can't do the other thing fanny and neither can you I I, I just tried to write it and I can't I can't do them it 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 doesn't come out of me
1: I'll tell you a story it doesn't either I try I can't do it I can't do it Mm-mm. uh I wish I could I could probably make a lot more money but uh <laughs> Barbara Bush I got involved with the reading her reading program Barbara Bush uh had a uh literacy program, and she would invite me to come places to read or whatever, help with. And somebody made a remark to her. They said, "Uh, who are you having? And she mentioned my name. And whoever said, oh, yeah, Fanny Flagg, she writes those feel-good books. And Barbara Bush said, well, let me ask you this. Who would want to make somebody feel bad? <laughs> I thought, well that's a good point, isn't it? Wow. I want people to feel good. Me I don't too. To
0: I don't I don't want to be the age I don't want to be that thing. Although I just read something that so emotionally moved me, and I and I talked her name is Alice Carrier, and her mother was Jennifer Bartlett, the painter, and her father was Mathieu Carrier, a great French very hot French actor of his time. He's now in his seventies. And she had a horrific childhood. But as you're reading, you realize she's building the wall to get over it. Mm. All these things happen to her. So when I talked to her, I said, you know, this is what I love about books. Because I, if, I, if I didn't read this, I would have no connection to the world that you grew up in whatsoever. At all. I wouldn't know these people. But you made them real for me. And you taught me. Not to like on the surface of things, judge. Like, get, get off of it, you know. And and so, if a book can do that, I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm with you. If we could write thrillers, well, we wouldn't be here. We'd be on a cruise right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. We'd be riding around the the, the, the seven seas. <laughs> we wouldn't need this to be working. Right. But I I can't figure those out. I, I and I and they tried to teach me, and I went I can't. You don't understand. I just, I know there's a dead body, okay, and we got to <laughs> find out who he is. And I know we got, but like even when I watch Margaret Rutherford, she's one of my favorites because let's face it, she spent no time in the beauty chair whatsoever. Didn't have to. But what an actor! Oh, and it, it's to watch her mind think as she's solving a mystery. I I can't tell you any plot of anything she's in—the Miss Marple stuff, the Agatha Christie stuff—but I remember her. Oh, she's, she was wonderful. Wasn't she? Now she and Marie Dressler. Oh my God. Marie Dressler precedes you and me, but Marie Dressler, people don't know this. She was, this is another thing they say in show business that you have to be stick thin and this and that, but Marie Dressler didn't care. Did she?
1: No, she didn't care. Well, you know, uh, speaking of women writing, a lot of people don't, you'll know this because you're brilliant, but Mae West wrote all of
0: her films. Now that she's amazing. And those are jokes. Hilarious. It's a century later and they're still funny and they're still winky and sexy. Still funny. You know, Fanny, but would you want to be that person that would have to just get into that Spanx and zip that dress up and put the hat on? I, God love her.
1: God love her. Somebody has to do it. And, and you know, it's, it's like our friend Dolly. Uh, she, she gets made up. Has those cute high heels on every day, I just tell you.
0: But you know, she's got it down to a science. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she's really running the empire and creating her songs. By the way, I was going to say, she has this album called Hungry Again. She looked at her life, and I don't, Dolly to me has no age. So I can't even tell you how old she is. I don't even care. No. And I think she shares that with people like Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know how old Bette Midler was. She just is. When I saw her in Hello, Dolly. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. When she was dancing around that stage and nibbling on that thing. I mean, she was fantastic in that. Hilarious. It's, and and then you meet them and they come up to my knee. They're the tiniest little, they're pint, Sarah Jessica Parker too. They're tiny, but they're they're proportioned, right? Right, right. I don't know how to explain it to everybody, but they wear high heel, They all wear high heels. I mean, Dolly is always in their four and a half inch heels. Her house shoes. Yeah. Her house shoes are like that. They're like Barbie shoes. She she says she gets her hair done, but she's not there because it's a wig, <laughs> But which I love. But she would come to work every day as an actor. Now, she was in the full Dolly mode, but it would be like a capri in a print with a form fitting bodice thing and a kind of a thing over it, chiffon. And those Fabrice stilettos. She didn't spend 12 hours getting ready. Interesting, right? Right. How women like her figured it out. And she knows, she she once said to me, she goes, "The, the kids look at me like I'm a cartoon character. How brilliant, though, that she then did the book thing. Exactly. The Imagination Library. Oh. She knew what her power was. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the music with her. I mean... If somebody said to Dolly you can only say you do one thing she'd say I'm a songwriter.
1: And she could live off of the one song, I'll always love you.
0: I mean for you, I will always love you is what what you know fried green tomatoes at the whistle stop cafe was for you. I mean it's one thing if you can hit one and and I was thinking about this the other day and I don't know I said this to Alice Hoffman and I said I'm going to ask Fanny this but don't you sometimes walk around the world and go What's everybody thinking about? Because I know what we're thinking. We're always thinking about our books, right? What the story is. Yeah. What's everybody thinking about?
1: I don't know. I I, I really don't know. I'm baffled. I am baffled. I don't know.
0: I'd like to know. I'd like to know because people say, are you going to take a vacation? And How do you take a vacation? What is that? I mean, to me, if I get eight hours of sleep, that's a vacation to me. But how do you feel about that? Can you put it away? The story.
1: I wish I could. I and, and you know, the thing I'm—I just am fascinated by people. I'm just amazed by them. I sometimes will, and I will confess this: I'll sometimes go and park in front of a store and just watch mm-hmm. people going in and out, and just say, "Well, who? Where? Who are they?" What are they thinking? Where did they come from? I'm just fascinated.
0: Aren't you? Completely. But that's where you get your characters, Fanny.
1: And I get a lot of, uh, I, this is, I don't know what this means, but I read a lot of obituaries because uh-huh. it, it it captures someone's entire life in like three or four paragraphs. It's just amazing what people will put in their, you know, in the, what was important to them in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then, then, you know, you live all these years and then you are everything is in like four paragraphs, you know, and she loved her cat.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Wow. Fanny, I've taken up so much of your day. When I started this, I said to Andrea, I said, Got to get Fanny, I said, because Fanny is the most popular person that we've ever interviewed. Oh,
1: thank you, sweetheart. Well, you know I love you madly,
0: and I, I love you madly. Think this is going to be a great, great thing. I don't know what supplements Fanny Flag is on. I don't know what she eats. I don't know her exercise regimen, but she looks as beautiful as she looked on Match Game seventy-seven. We're going to be sharing behind-the-scenes clips from this conversation on the You Are What You Read podcast Instagram page. So head over there and follow us. And I hope you're all taking some time for reading, and listening over the holiday season into the new year. And we can't wait to bring you more conversations from the world's greatest minds and the luminaries of our times in 2024. Until then, thank you for listening. And always, thank you for reading.